Welcome to the Word of Faith Sermon Podcast with Pastor Hagen Lister. Join in with us today, ready to grow in your knowledge of the Bible with practical application for your everyday life. If you're interested in following or learning more, join us on our Facebook page at WOFTX or check out our website at WOFTX.com for location and service times. Now here's Pastor Hagen with today's message. We've uh, been centering on Jesus, the healer, um, and um, last week we preached kind of a, 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 I wouldn't say an offshoot of that, but just a, a, a portion of that uh, called uh, Faith uh, in Circumstance, um, and if you missed any of those, they are on our podcast, or you can go back to our live stream. It's a little easier on the podcast, though, because it goes straight to the preaching. And so, um, really, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. This has been tough for me to preach, and, um, and, and the reason why, it's got nothing to do with you and everything to do with the enemy doesn't want you to know this. Amen? And, um, and, and, and you say, why would you say that? Well, the whole time I've, I've been preaching these messages, um, you know, the whole time the enemy's just in my ear going, hey, that person's not going to like that. That person don't believe that. That person, blah, 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 blah. And not just one particular person. It's just, uh, you know, just are there someone in here that's, that's, that's completely and wholeheartedly disagreeing with you? And, and um, I'm, I'm having to fight that while I'm preaching. And, and, and lo and behold, not necessarily the same person or anything like that, but people have every week sent me messages uh, about how much uh, this teaching has helped them. And so I, I kind of want to get that out of the way, understanding and knowing that when you teach on things like this, that go against what we have experienced in life, and that's kind of been the real thing that we center around on, is that a lot of times as humans, it's, it's natural uh, that when we have an experience, uh, then all of a sudden that experience becomes the absolute truth, amen? And uh, it's because it happened to us. And I'm not negating things that happen to us. I'm not negating things that may be happening to you currently. But what I'm saying is that if we're going to be believers and not doubters, then we have to believe the word of God over what we have experienced in life. Amen? Because if we don't, then we just need to throw the whole thing out because we're just kind of, we're kind of cherry picking on that. And, and myself included, there are things that I've had. So, so when I, this, this message this morning, um, it may seem like, that I may be blaming you or blaming me, myself for not receiving the promises of God, and that's not it at all. I think that that would be the enemy trying to make you feel bad or trying to put something between you and the Word. But the, the points that I'm going to bring out today is not to make you feel bad. It's not to say that if you had a circumstance or something go uh, south in the, in, the, in, the, uh, in the past or seemingly going south now, it's, I'm not laying blame to you, uh, uh, but, but I want us to understand what the Word of God says. Because how many of you know, I, I got this illustration course, you know, I, I like doing stuff like this, but uh, what if you had a four-wheel drive vehicle, four-wheel drive truck, and you got stuck, but you didn't know you had four-wheel drive? And you just sat there. And the whole time you could have gotten out, but you didn't know you could get out. Because you didn't know that you had it, and you didn't know how it worked. Amen? That's not necessarily uh, blaming anything. It's just, it's just that when you hear these scriptures and we go into these scriptures, we have to understand we got to put everything in the past behind. It doesn't matter about what if or if I had known or whatever those things. What matters right now is today, are we going to line up ourselves, individuals, or are we going to line up to what the Word of God says? 
And so first and foremost, I make this, this statement very, very clear that Jesus is the healer. Amen? Jesus is the healer. No matter how mightily someone is used of God in an area of supernatural healing or miracles, that person never becomes a healer. Amen? I don't care. I, I, I read after a lot, of, uh, a lot of guys that have miraculous things happen to them, like John G. Uh, Lake and, and Smith Wigglesworth and different guys like that. Go read up on these guys' ridiculous amount of miracles and healings. John G. Lake, one time, uh, there, was, there was a, hu- a, a horrible um, uh, outbreak of, of some type of influenza or something uh, uh, da- out in Africa, and he actually had people standing by. People, they would say, don't go in those tents. Don't go in there with all the sick people. He would go in there, lay hands on them. They would be healed. Uh, he, would, he actually had a team of doctors uh, that would uh, not that, that he didn't pay or anything like that. He brought them along as skeptics, and he had them. They had them put a sample of whatever this was going on. I, I, my mind is uh, is, is uh, I, I don't. You can go back and look it up. But um, they whatever it was, whatever virus, whatever it was, they put it in his hand, and they watched the, the that virus die under a microscope. John G. Lake has over one hundred thousand recorded medically recorded miracles. And even as great as he was, he was not a healer. He was not the healer. Jesus is the healer. He just lined up and allowed God to use him. Amen? Is this okay? I want to make this definitive statement. It is God's will to heal every time. Now, I also understand that on this side of of, uh, heaven... It is appointed for every man to die once. So our earthly body, unless Jesus comes back, will die. I understand that. But the Bible also says that he will satisfy us with long life. So his will is for us not just to have long life, but to have satisfactory long life. He will satisfy us with long life. What good would it be if you had a long life, but it wasn't too satisfactory? Amen? And and again... Um, a lot of times we, uh, we want to, uh, to take these things that I'm saying, these definitive statements, these blanket statements, and we want to we wanna start going, uh, you know, uh, but, but in my case, but in this case, uh, all these things. And that's fine. You can do that if you want to do that. But as for me, <laughs> I want to look at that and not, uh, not start thinking about things in the past uh, that happened to me, even if I, if, even if I, I was believing God and it didn't work out the way the, the, the Bible says it should have, or any of those things, um, I'm going to stay tried and true. And if I get to heaven and the Lord says, you believe me too much, you believe me too far, I don't think that's going to happen. But if he did, I'm willing to take that hit. What I'm not willing to do is get there and him say, um, you doubted me on every corner. You doubted my word. You were a skeptic to the very end. I want to be known as a believer, even if it's overboard. Amen? Nobody ever talks about being an overboard doubter. Why? Because there's too much that goes on in this world to back up doubt. But when you start believing God too much, that's when people have a problem. And I don't think it's that people have a problem. I think the enemy has a problem when you become a believer. And I'm not talking about just getting saved. I'm talking about believing 
the word of God. So I believe that it's God's will to heal every time. Sickness, disease, lack, and poverty is never the will of God for anybody's life. And you say, how can you say that? Because I never saw Jesus do that to anybody. Go find me scripture where Jesus made somebody poor. Go, go find me scripture where, where Jesus made somebody sick. Go find me scripture where, where Jesus said, uh, I can't heal you because it's God's will that you're sick. The only thing you're gonna come close to is when the non-Jewish woman comes and asks for her daughter to be healed, and he said, why should I give uh, the bread of the children, meaning the Jewish people, to the dogs? And he called this woman a dog. And Jesus was not necessarily trying to be ugly or rude. He was, he was making a definitive thing going on there because if you, if, if you know what happened after Jesus uh, was resurrected and ascended into heaven, salvation wasn't just offered to the Jews, but it was also offered to the whole world, the Gentile world. And so in that, uh, Jews looked at Gentiles as, as lower than them, as less than them. They weren't God's chosen people, so they were like dogs. And so I believe that Jesus wanted to show that if you have enough faith, that, that, that what he was about to do was going to transcend race. Amen? And so he says, who am I to give the bread of the children, because the Jews were the chosen people, are the chosen people, bread of the children to the dogs. And the woman said, even the dogs get to eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Jesus said, I'm not seeing faith like this anywhere. Your daughter's healed. So it was just a, it was a type and it was a shadow or a picture of what was gonna come, that everything was gonna be offered to every person. And so, God doesn't produce it, nor will for his people to be in situations produced by man's fallen nature. His wrath towards us, towards humanity, I'm not saying towards uh, Satan and, and towards um, the fallen angels and towards people who won't receive God, but, but as far as we're concerned, in this, in this hour, God's wrath has been fully satisfied uh, and the payment already been made for your sins. If we don't believe that, then we don't believe that Jesus' work is completely finished. But in Christ, we're redeemed from sickness. We can go back and we can see all the things that he was paying for through the death, burial, and resurrection, through the crucifixion, all the different, go back to Isaiah. You can see everything that he paid for. And we'll quote that. We'll say, by his stripes, we are healed. What that's talking about, of course, Peter quoted it, but what that's talking about is back in the book of Isaiah, it was a prophecy about the Messiah, which ended up being Jesus, and, and that when Jesus came, that all the things that he was gonna go through, which was, uh, which was so incredibly accurate, and it happened exactly the way it's, uh, that, that, the, that Isaiah prophesied it, but that um, one of the payments was that he said he was gonna take stripes on his back uh, as payment for our healing. Like I said, we quote that a lot of times, and what that means is, uh, if you've seen the Passion of the Christ, or if you've known anything about it, you've seen any pictures of the crucified Jesus, his back is completely torn open. I won't get into all the different uh, gruesome details that, uh, that you can go and look up online. A guy really medically went through what, would have, what his body would have looked like, what he had been going through. But those, stri those stripes from the cat of nine tails, as it uh, whipped his body and tore up his flesh, Isaiah said he was taking that as payment for our healing. Now, how many of you know every time we get sick, Jesus is not gonna go back to, uh, to the Romans and say, hey, Johnny Bob's sick, whip me again for him. Not gonna happen. He made one payment for all, amen? 
And so his wrath has been satisfied. Uh, and, he, and, and through his uh, death, burial, and resurrection, we have been redeemed from the curse. The curse is sickness. The curse is disease. The curse is poverty. The curse is lack. And any other product of the fall of man in this earth. Anything that God did not intend to be here before man uh, fell. So we always have these questions, and why, why do people get sick? Why do people, all these different things? And uh, as I said, this may sound like a blanket statement. This may sound like an accusatory statement. This may seem like that I'm making a statement that says that if anybody, if you've ever been sick, if you've ever had, had lost somebody, if you've ever, um, you know, been, been poor, if you've ever uh, this, that, and the other, that it's, that it's all your fault. And that's exactly what the enemy would want to say. No, every time, 100% of the time, it is the enemy's fault because he is the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus is the one that came to give life and life more abundantly. But what the enemy wants to do is, when something happens in your life that is not conducive to the, uh, to the will of God, uh, the enemy wants you to either blame yourself for not having enough faith or he wants you to blame God for not doing it for you. And neither one is true. What's true is he's the enemy. He's the one that created it. He's the one that is operating in it. But just like I said in the beginning, if you were stuck and you thought you had two-wheel drive when you really had four-wheel drive, wouldn't you want to know that? Amen? So that's, that's, the, um, that's the approach that I'm taking to this. It's not blame. It's not to make you feel bad. It's not to go, well, what if? But just listen to this with your heart open. But here's three reasons, not necessarily why stuff happens to people, but why it continues or stays in our life and Three reasons, and then we're going to go through those. Lack of knowledge, lack of belief, lack of action. Lack of knowledge, number one. Lack of belief, lack of action. I'm not attacking your Christian character. I question myself like this. I'll tell you, and I've used this illustration several times, but it's my illustration. But when I was sick and I was down with COVID and ended up having to go to the hospital or whatever, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be really transparent and honest with you as I have uh, from the beginning. I was laying on that couch knowing what I should do. I was laying on that couch understanding the character of God. But I was in a place where I could not make myself believe and act on the word of God. I'm just being honest with you. I prayed for lots of people. I've seen lots of people healed. Matter of fact, Christy told me that um, Mr. Rennie Eves, is this okay? Is that all right if I say that? No? Or is it okay? Yeah, he's good. So anyway, he had me pray for his eye. And uh, he can see out of it now. Amen, praise God. Yeah, did you want to say something? Go ahead. Coming back. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. 
And she told me that, and, and, and that, doesn't mean, that doesn't mean anything other than he believed that God could and would heal him and wanted me to agree with him, and I agreed with him, and in and, and his eye, he can see out of that eye where he was losing that, that central vision. But that's no credit to me. I don't, that's not something to, to brag on me. What I'm trying to say is a lot of times it's easier for me to join in with someone else than it is for myself. And uh, in that moment in time, when I, was at, when I was at my weakest point that I'd ever been as, as, as a, a, um, a person, as an adult, surely, I was so thankful for my wife and my kids and my friends and my family and, and, and everybody who prayed uh, for me because I was in a place where I, where I couldn't. Your faith helped my faith. And, of course, I, I was able to get out of there sooner than I, than I was able to. But... I understood, I had knowledge, I believed God, but I wouldn't take action on what I believed. So let's start at lack of knowledge. Of course, Hosea, the fourth chapter, the sixth verse says this, my people are destroyed from lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I also reject you as my priest. Of course, I understand that he's talking about something a little bit different, but I wanna take this principle of what God says, my people are destroyed from lack of knowledge because you've rejected uh, you have rejected knowledge. I also reject you as my priest because you have ignored the law of, of your God. I'll also ignore your children. Of course, that's, like I said, Old Testament. Uh, but, but what I want you to see there is not only was there, uh, uh, he was saying that, there's, that, that you have withheld knowledge from my people. And because of that, there is, they, there's destruction amongst my people. And, uh, and he says, but because of that, I'm going to reject you as my priest. And uh, you've ignored the law of God. And, and so, so right here, it's, it's talking about people that have authority and responsibility to teach the law of God, to teach the, the, the knowledge of God to people. And he says, you didn't do it. You ignored my law. And also, you didn't, you didn't uh, take on your responsibility to teach my people. And because of that, they're being destroyed. The, uh, the Living Bible says it this way, my people are being destroyed because they don't know me. My people are being destroyed because they don't know me. And, and when I read it that way, some things begin to be unlocked in, in me. And so write this statement down if you're taking notes. There is no confidence where there is no knowledge of a person's character. There's no confidence where there's no knowledge of a person's character. You can tell me about somebody all day long. But unless I experience their character for myself, my confidence is going to struggle. Amen? My confidence is going to struggle. So where there's no, there's no confidence where there is no knowledge of a person's character. Most people, I know not, not a, none of us in here, I'm talking about other people. But most people have an idea of who God is. Understand this, get this. Most people have an idea of who God is based on what someone else told them. Not based on his word and being personally in his presence. So I'll say it like this, in, in my personal prayer time, where I know the word of God, 
I'm more confident and I'm more bold to pray. But where I'm not sure about certain things, about what God's word says about that, I've not truly had time in the presence of God where he's communicated anything about that, I'm more timid. How many know the Bible says the righteous are bold as lions? Amen? So most people have an idea of who God is based on what someone else told them and not based on his word or being personally in his presence. And I think it takes both things. We understand God's character by knowing what his word says and by spending time in his presence. That's how we get to know the character of God. So go over to Proverbs, the second chapter. We're gonna read um, verses one through three and then verse eight. Proverbs 2, verse 1 says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding. And it goes on and says, uh, says some other things that kind of go, just, just kind of reiterate that or echo that. But go down to verse eight. It says that if you do these things, that God, it says, he guards the paths of, the, of justice and preserves the way of his saints. He guards the paths of justice and he preserves the way of his saints. Where you don't understand someone's character, you're gonna have a, a, a not as much confidence in that person. But if you begin to understand his word, then you begin to understand his character. When you begin to spend time in his presence, you begin to further understand his character. And when you do, you begin to stand and believe and say, you know what? I believe that he guards the paths of justice and that he preserves my way because I'm a saint. I'm a believer. Amen? Is this okay? So understanding God and the principles of his kingdom will keep you in health and in prosperity. You say, well, that means I guess that when I get sick or when I get this, that, or the other, or when the bill comes in and I can't pay for it, I guess I, guess I just haven't uh, uh, been, been doing my part and, and, and God just fed up with me. No, that's not it at all. Remember, we live in a fallen world. Remember that we have an enemy. Remember that it is a fight, that it is a struggle every single day to, to stay in a place of authority over your life. And this is what I see more times than anything that I think tri trips us up. Most of the time, people don't, don't have a, um, if I can say it this way, I'll explain it, but they don't have a preventative prayer life. They have a rescuing prayer life. Let me say it a little bit simpler. You say, what does it mean to have a, pre a preventative prayer life? It means that I am actively day by day, standing on the word of God, standing on the character of God, and I'm praying against the, the wiles of the devil, the, 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 the tricks of the enemy. I'm, I'm praying that my eyes would be open to the will of God. I'm praying that, that, that I have protection on my life. I'm praying for all those different things. I'm, I'm listening to the voice of God. I'm, I'm listening through his word, and I'm listening through the presence of the Holy Spirit, and, and the Holy Spirit's leading me and guiding me, the Bible says, in all truth. How many of you know that, that the Holy Spirit knows what's going to happen before it's going to happen. 
And don't you think that if he knows what's going to happen before it's going to happen, don't you know that he'll begin to prepare you? Don't you know that he'll begin to, to show you some things? If we're listening, if we're in that place, and I think that's why the enemy tries so hard to get us distracted where we don't have time to sit in the presence of God. We don't have time to do anything but maybe read a Bible verse and, and go on about our way. But, but really what we, what we don't understand is the more time we spend in the Word of God and the more time we spend in the presence of God, the more we know the character of God, the more we know the voice of the Lord and the more we won't follow the voice of another. So, that's lack of knowledge. Number two, lack of belief. And this goes hand in hand with knowledge. You can understand all the word of God and what it says, but if you don't believe it, it's useless to you. How you know the devil's had time? He knows what the word says. So I don't know if the devil knows what the word says. He, I think he does. When he, when he was tempting Jesus in the wilderness, he wasn't using his word. He was using the word. I think he knows it. But how do you know it's useless to him? I've been in places where people have tried to use the word, um, but they weren't believers. I had this one gentleman, um, we were having a discussion, I thought, and then all of a sudden the discussion turned into a, um, um, a fight, <laughs> not a physical fight, it felt physical, and uh, I was sitting there going, well, man, I didn't, I didn't, like, I don't, take this with, you know, I don't mean it as badly as it sounds, but I, I don't care what you believe, I don't care, like, it doesn't have any bearing on me. But he was asking me some different things, and, I, and every time I tell him, he was like right there with a rebuttal, and I was like, and then when I would say, with the, this, is, this, was the, this was the argument, I'll, I'll tell you in brief. The argument in brief was, he said that Satan has no power, and that we shouldn't teach people that Satan has power. And I'm like, but he does. No, no. Jesus triumphed over him openly. I said, I, I understand that. I get that. I was like, but he still has power. No, he doesn't have power. I said, well, why in the world would the apostle Paul say we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers? I said, it says it right there. Powers, P-O-W-E-R-S. Not, not one, powers. He said, well, that's a mistranslation. Convenient. I was like, well, show me where, no, no I, I just didn't get, get that deep in it. So finally I said, I said, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not teaching people to be afraid. I said, I'm teaching people how to overcome and how to be aware because the Bible says, be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary the devil walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So that means that he has the ability to, to devour, but it's really up to us. If we put ourselves in a position for that. I just don't believe that. I said, okay, let me, let me. I like to break things down into normal, average, everyday things because sometimes people get so into this intellectual plane that they don't have any common sense. And by the, by the statement that I made and his answer to this, I realized I'm dealing with a dummy just to walk away. It's all right. If you're dealing with somebody ignorant, that means they don't know. If you're dealing with a dummy, it means they know, but they just choose to argue. 
So I said, let me ask you a question. I said, let's say you were helping me at my house. And I know for a fact that if you go over there in those bushes, there's a snake in there. And not just any snake, a water moccasin. He's in there. I know he is. Would you want me to tell you that or would you want me to let you find out on your own? He goes, you don't have to tell me that. You don't have to tell me that. I got, I got power. I got power over that. I said, well, again, the Bible says we trample on serpents and scorpions and if any of them bite you, the, the poison. I said, but, you know, there's wisdom in that if I can avoid a delay of a fight, it's probably best that we do. I said, so let's just say I don't say anything to you and you go over there and you get bit and we find out that your faith isn't where you thought it was. And you do the opposite of what happened to Paul on the, on, when, on the island when he got shipwrecked. And instead of shaking it off into the fire and being fine, you did what the natives thought that would happen to Paul. You, you swole up and died. Or at the very least, I sat there and had to fight for hours praying over you. And the doctors had to fight and praying over you and, and, and fixing you with all this stuff to maybe, maybe help, help you and save you. I think I would just like to avoid the, that, that all together and just say, hey, there's a snake over there. Be careful. I'm not telling you not to go over there and, and, and work in that area. Just be careful. Well, of course, he, he argued, and, and I was like, you know, I, sir, I, I do believe that you have a spirit of a dummy on you. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh. Just arguing with brick wall. And I don't argue. I don't argue what I believe. If you ask me questions, I'll tell you. But when I find out, like, you're just arguing for arguing's sake, but lack of belief, this goes hand in hand with knowledge. You can understand all the word of God and what it says, but if you don't believe it, it's going to be useless to you. So let's go over to James. Um, James, the uh, first chapter. How am I looking on time? Ooh, not good. Um... Yeah, I don't want to rush this, so I am going to read James, and I'll, I believe the Lord can help me just kind of tie this up, and we can, we can, we can really get into it next week. Uh, but James 1, 2 through 8, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. So, this is James, this is to the church. This is two believers. Does he say that my brethren counted all joy because since Jesus came, you're not going to have any more trials? Is that what he says? No. He says when you fall into various trials, not if, when. We're not believing for that. We don't want that. But when you fall into various trials, knowing, knowing, knowledge, that the testing of your faith produces patience. So my brethren, count it all joy. Why should I be joyful when I fall into a, a trial? Because he says that you ought to have knowledge that this is a testing of your faith. 
And that if it's a testing of your faith, it's going to produce patience in you. And then it says, let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I think this is probably a scripture where people will say, the Lord must have put this on me for some greater purpose. No, the world, just living in the world, is going to put trials in our life. Whether it just be because we, we live in a fallen world or we made a bad mistake. How many of you ever made a bad mistake and there was consequences to it? Amen? But when you fall into a trial, uh, James says, you need to count it joy. Because it's a test of your faith. So the trial is going to be there. God's not supplying the trial. God doesn't want the trial. It's just the fact of life. It's a fact of living in this natural life that there are going to be trials. But you can either take one or two approaches. You can take the woe is me approach. Oh my God, how is this going to work out? Oh my God, this is horrible. This is terrible. And it may be horrible and it may be terrible. But right here, James says you need to get a hold of yourself and count it joy. People are going to think you're crazy because you're not supposed to have that much faith. You're not supposed to believe God that much. Much You're supposed to, when things happen bad to you, you're supposed to put on sackcloth and you're supposed to shave your head and go get in a corner somewhere and weep and cry. But that's not what James says. James says you need to count it joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith, it'll produce patience if you'll let it. It'll produce patience. Watch this. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And it says this, it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives liberally and without reproach, and it will be given unto him. So we quote that one all the time. We forget what it came on the cusp of. It came on the cusp of being in a trial. It came on the cusp of, I don't know what's going on right here. But James says when that happens, if if you'll have joy, if you'll say, this is an opportunity. This is, I mean, we have got to take the attitude uh, uh, that, that, that Joseph took. Every single time that he landed in a trial, I'm sure he didn't just, you know, wasn't smiling and laughing like a clown, but, but he says, well, this is an opportunity. I, I know what God told me. I know what God showed me. This is temporary. This, I don't understand it. I don't understand why just telling my brothers about a dream that I had, they would, they would first uh, plot to murder me. And then when they, when they decided not to, and they decided to make some money on me, they sold, my own brother sold me into slavery. And then when I get sold into slavery, I get over there and, and, and it seems like God's blessing me again. About the time God starts blessing me again, then Potiphar's wife, she wants to come on to me. And, and I did the right thing, God. I did the right thing and I, and I told her no. And then she went off and she lied on me. And I get accused of, of taking advantage of my boss's wife, and so I get landed in prison. And then I'm in prison, and then I interpret these guys' dreams, and, and I told them that, that hey, God, you know, you're going to die, but you're going to live. And, hey, the guy that's going to live, when you get up there to the Pharaoh, let the Pharaoh know I'm down here. He forgets about me for years. But the approach that Joseph took was, God gave me a dream. I'm going to see that dream. And long before it was actually written, I believe that Joseph believed that all things work together for the good of those who love God. So when all hell's breaking loose, we've got to take that approach and say, I don't understand it and I don't like it. But thank God, not for what's going on, but thank God that you, God, I thank you that, that um, my faith is being 
tested here. And I'm not going to let this beat me. I'm going to stand in faith. I'm going to stand on your word. I'm not going to cower. I'm not going to run away. I'm not going to say why or this, that, and the other. I'm going to go get the word and I'm going to feed on what the word of God says. And right here, your word says that I need to count it all joy because this is a testing and a trying of my faith. And if I'll let patience have its perfect work, then, uh, then, then I'll be complete and lacking nothing. And, and then if, if I do lack wisdom, all I have to do is ask you, God, and you'll give it to me liberally. What is that, giving it to you liberally when you're lacking wisdom? God, I need to know how to get out of this situation. Tell me exactly how because a lot of times we want to take every single situation and we want to put them into a, cut, a cookie cutter form, right? Go find a cookie cutter healing in the Bible. It's not there. There's no cookie cutter healings. They're all different. But the one thing that stayed the same in all of them was their faith that Jesus could heal. Amen? Amen? I said I was going to finish up, and I will. Lord, help me. But watch this. It says, if any man lacks, lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, and he'll give it to him liberally without reproach, and it will be given unto him. Verse 6 is very important. But let him ask in faith. But let him ask in faith. Well, if there wasn't a difference then they wouldn't have said it. If there wasn't a difference, they wouldn't have said it. They would have just said, let him ask. It doesn't. It says, let him ask in faith, meaning that if we have to ask in faith, then maybe there is a difference on how we ask. Maybe. Sometimes we ask in doubt or unbelief. It says, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. And watch what James says about doubters. He says, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he'll receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Doubt comes when your circumstance doesn't match what the word says. Doubt comes when your symptoms are louder than, what the, word of, than the word of God in your heart. Doubt is the enemy of faith. And that doubt is only there to snuff out what hope you do have in the power of God. So next week, I'm sorry it, uh, it took us uh, too long to get there. But next week, um, this will this be, be our starting point here. We might give a little bit of a recap. But we're gonna get into some good stuff there because I don't wanna leave you. I wanna leave you hanging. So if you're gonna miss next week, make sure you get on the podcast and listen to it. But listen, there is, there is principles in the word of God. Have you ever been somewhere where people didn't wanna play by the rules? You ever been in a situation where there are rules to a game? I'm not calling life a game, but I'm saying there are rules to a game. And they go, I don't, well, we don't have to play by that rule. We don't have to do that. And they just cherry pick the thing. And the game loses its um, integrity. 
A lot of the time as believers, as the church, we love God. We asked Him to be our Lord. But then we don't take the time to get into His Word and understand Him through His Word and through His character and His presence. And it leaves us in a place where we're making up the rules to the game. And I'm not saying this is a game. But what I am saying is the things of the Word of God, they work the way He says they work. It's purposeful. If you care enough to ask Him why, He'll reveal that to you, just like this morning when I was telling Him. I lift my hands because the Word of God said. And also, when I was coming along, people said, uh, it's a sign of surrender. And, and I remember the first time I lifted my hands, I felt all that freedom. I was like, well, shoot, you don't have to convince me no more. Nobody had to convince me. But I, but I wanted to know more. Like, God, really, what is it? And I just got this picture of when you lift up your hands, you can't, you can't hold all your burdens and lift your hands at the same time. Oh, my gosh, that's so good. That helps me so much. And so God's not above questions of, God, why is it this way? But for, for us just to look at that and either say, I don't understand that, or that's not how I was raised, so I'm just gonna keep on playing this thing the way I think. I mean, you know it don't work that way. God's word will never bend to your ideas, your thoughts, your opinions. It just doesn't. If it did, he'd have to bend all of them. Now, I do believe in God's grace and God's mercy. And when we truly are ignorant about something, ignorant just means you don't know. But he doesn't mean for us to stay that way. And as much as he loves us, he's never gonna allow your thoughts and your feelings and your opinions change. One period, one exclamation point, one sentence, one phrase, one paragraph, one book of his word. Doesn't matter how you were raised. Doesn't matter what pastor preached what. Doesn't matter if I've preached stuff. If it, if it doesn't line up to the word of God, then I, then I want the Lord to reveal that to me and I'll, and I'll back up. And I'll say, hey guys, I think I missed that. But sometimes people believe the wrong things Sometimes churches and things preach the wrong things. And even when they find out, maybe we're wrong on that, pride will not let them back up. I pray that myself as an individual, us as a church, and you as an individual, never have so much pride that you can't say, I think I was wrong on that. It ain't about who's right and who's wrong. It's about are we, <laughs> are we adhering to the word of God, not just being hearers only, but being doers. Amen? I want everything in this, this word that he has for me. And I want everything that he has in this word for you to be working in your life, operating in, that, in your life. And we're not gonna be perfect at it. I don't think there's ever been anybody other than Jesus. And we're not gonna be perfect at it. But I think, I think we, could, we, could, um, we could get in there and, um, and we could do a lot better. How about you? Amen. Stand up on it. I want to thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. 
And if you would like to help us increase our outreach, please like, share, and subscribe to our channel so that we can bring the Word of God to friends and family near you. Don't forget you can check out our location, other podcasts and service times, on our website at woftx.com. If you're in the East Texas area, we'd love for you to stop by and join in for one of our services. We're glad you chose our podcast. Be blessed. We'll see you next time.